Welcome back to the Remnant Podcast. Of course, I am Luis Olvera, aka Audio Life, and this is Daniel Ochoa, aka Danny O. So, Mr. Ochoa, we are now in the festive time of the end of the year. What do we got going on today? It is very festive. I'm trying to be very joyful, and trying is trying. And why? Why? <laughs> what do we have to be so joyful today apart from drawing breath? Um, well, we're very joyful today because we have a very special guest. Uh, who's our guest? This man is a very special man. He's a, he has a big heart for Christ. He has a big heart for his, his brothers. And um, he has a awesome, wonderful story that we're going to get to hear today. And our, I want our audience to welcome Anthony Albergo. Thank you, guys. Thank yes, you. and it took us a couple of takes to finally get his last name right. <laughs> Which apparently even his high school couldn't get it right. They do. They did. So, Anthony, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So stoked to be here. So, uh, again, we, we've talked um, briefly, not that long ago, got to know each other a little bit, and the story behind you, man, is that incredible. It's, incredible. it's uh, quite a testimony. So, first off, who is Anthony? So, um, <laughs> uh, that's a really humbling question. I, I'm, I'm just a dad. I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a follower of Christ to the very end, to say the least. Um, blue-collared worker. Just, I'm just a guy. That's it. Well, I mean, you mentioned just a father and the follower of Christ. Blue-collared worker, which I myself I'm familiar with, and it's a hard, hard industry to be bold for Christ. But how did you yourself come to know Christ? So I... Growing up, I, I I never really had Christ in my life, right? My my parents went to church, but I was kind of really turned off of it because my mom was kind of like the church hopper, like, oh, this person did that, and oh, they said this, and oh, the pastor's got a gambling problem, and that. So, <laughs> this is look, this is word for word. Are we seeing crabs in so, the back of the pews? That would have been rad. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have been there. Yahtzee for time um, money. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, so I, I was just always, wasn't appealing to me. You know what right. I mean? And I just always turned off by it. And when I got, so after, after, um, after like the, the high school years there, everybody kind of went their own way, but we all still kind of kept in touch. And when I, uh, had my heart attack, I had a heart attack back in December of 2020, mm. right? Yeah. December, 2020. And when I was having that heart attack, I was laying in a bed in Bakersfield, Arizona. Bakersfield, Bakersfield, Arizona. Arizona. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was laying in a bed in Bakersfield, California, and I was up there working out of town. And the place, right. the company I worked for, instead of just giving you a hotel because you were there for so long and so many guys, they would just Airbnb a house, right? Right. Oh, okay. So this house turned into Party Central. Oh, I mean, we had cocaine all over the counters. Wow. We had mollies. And it became a competition, like, who could bring the best drugs each Dear week? Lord. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> not hard. Yeah, it was a heart attack was inevitable. Wow. So <laughs> I'm laying in this bed and um, I, I had this heart attack. And in the midst of this heart attack, I, I mean, I'm like paralyzed, right? It, right? it literally feels like I had like an old 57 Chevy pickup barked on my truck with my chest. Jeez. And um, I had the, the, the Lord spoke to me. And it wasn't like the Holy Spirit, you know, just kind of whispered this was a very audible tangible um i mean i thought i was dying right right i thought here i'm having this heart attack like is it now i'm here from god and why i knew it was god is beyond me right because now i've gone 30 something years right, as basically right. an atheist um but i knew and, and the lord said he said i hope you're done with this because i really am it's time for a change mm. And I knew that the change at that point was out of my hands, right? It right. was, I didn't know what was going to happen. It, it just was inevitable. So I rolled over, I grabbed my cell phone, and I hit up my wife. Now, this I is going to say I rolled over and grabbed my gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're not going that route. We're ending yeah. out. No. Because no. I heard a voice. What's yeah. that? I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it had been known to happen, but no, not this time. <laughs> So I, I hit up my wife and I'm like, man, I am so sorry for everything I've done to you. Wow. I don't know what's about to happen, but there's about to be a big change, I guess. And um, 
I took myself to the hospital. They did the blood work. They hook you up to the EKG. They're like, yeah, we got to admit you, you've, you've had a heart attack and we need to see what's going on further and make sure you're okay. And, and all this and that and do oh, we know it's all these tests. All the drugs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now I'm at the hospital. I know I've had a heart attack. I've heard from God. And now I'm like, and keep in mind, I'm not Christian. I don't know how any of this stuff works. Right. <laughs> right and I'm right. like, if God spoke to me like that, I know I'm good. I don't need these doctors. I'm healed. Cause by the time I got to the hospital, I felt fine. I was just, I was ready to go again. And, uh, so, <laughs> I unhooked myself from everything and just walked out. Wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm sorry. Can we pause for there for a minute? Cause I'm like, you're talking about somebody that kind of knew about Christ to live in this life that was contradictory to whatever Christ teaches. And now I had to have the faith. Like if God spoke to me, I know I'm healed. Peace. Like that is insane that is i mean that's 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 divine revelation so there's there's kind of the importance of how we will how we'll talk to people about god now tell them the good news of the lord and spread that gospel right right because it, it it plants a seed so that guy i was telling you about that was my my youth leader growing up that planted a seed right wow. so all them years later i had a knowledge in my twenties, my whoever I was dating at that time, <laughs> they thought I was crazy because I would literally go ghost hunting and do all that stuff. Because I genuinely wanted to know. I figured, okay, if I seen a ghost, God was real, right? And I was going to turn everything around. This that was my process of thinking, which it's not far off because you're still hungry for some truth, right? right you're right. still you're seeking, but you're not really seeking His face. So. All I know is in that moment when the Lord spoke to me, everything changed. Mm. Um, and I knew it was about to really, really progressively change. But I knew something inside me had been activated, if you will. Like the, the mm. Holy Spirit switch had been flipped on. Um, so I leave the hospital and I'm like, I'm not going to work. I'm done. I got to go home. I need to be with my wife. Um, I just, I, I just got to get out of here. Right. Right. So now I'm headed home from Bakersfield and I get a call. I haven't talked to him in eight years. My youth leader calls me Stop for real. What? And he what? says, uh, Hey man, what's going on? And I'm all nothing, you know, just headed home from work. He goes, well, how's everything going? But everything's going fine. I'm good. I just left. I still have my hospital bracelet on, right? <laughs> but I'm like, you're. Everything's I'm, fine. I'm one of those proud men. Like I don't yeah, talk. I'm about just sitting here issues. with my AV going home. It's okay. <laughs> right, it's yeah, fine. yeah. I'm dripping out. Um, and he says, "Man, I, I don't know, but the the Lord really put you on my heart, and I just had to reach out, and I don't really believe you." And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know oh, what good. to tell you. And he oh, says, good. "Well, can I come? Can I come over and right, right. We'll like barbecue and chop it up tonight?" As much as I wanted to say, nah, I got other things going, my spirit pushed my flesh aside, pushed my soul aside, and was like, yeah, come over. Wow. I'm all, what? All right, yeah, I guess. Yeah, come on over, you know. But I'll get hammers. Yeah. We'll do this at 6. <clears throat> so he comes over, and we're sitting out back. I got a little patio table, and he goes, all right, now what's really up? And I told him, I said, dude, I had a heart attack last night. And I didn't get into de detail with all this other stuff, right? Right, right? I just said, I'm about to lose everything, Dave. You know, I'm, it's, something's got to change. I said, I'm doing an eight ball of cocaine a day. I'm doing meth when I get my hands on it, pills. Wow. I mean, I would probably say, I don't know, if you got to put a number on it, I was probably doing... Uh, maybe like a gram every couple weeks of 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 the meth, eight ball of coke a day, whatever pills I get my hands on. I had snorted heroin. Like, right. Yeah. I was just in that self destruct mode. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't tear apart my family. My wife had already proven that. My wife was there to stay. Like she wasn't going nowhere. Granted, we look looking back now. Yeah, it was. 
she was for sure going to be leaving. I don't know how she left that long. Right. Or stayed that long. So um, he's all, do you want to, you want to go to church? And again, wow. I'm my, my spirit just shoving my flesh out of the way and saying, yeah, let's go. So we went to church, uh, what, two days later or something like that. And he, um, he went with me and I took my son. I figured he's, he told me about this church where the pastor was a pro skater. The other pastor was a very active, still pro skater. And I didn't know who these guys were. I wasn't a skater since, you know, the nineties, but my mm-hmm. kid was, I was like, well, he'll, he'll enjoy it. So we went there and I knew something I needed to be there, right? I knew mm-hmm. there was an importance. I had an importance to something there. And, right. And you felt I, connected to the moment. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't, it was more than an emotional connection. So I, right. I was, my whole life, I've been emotionally disconnected, right? Because I've always had people push me off like, no, you need to go to that family. We've had enough, or you need to, you know, I'm tired of your antics. Go over here. And, right. So um, to have that emotion uh, or that, that, like a spiritual connection. Mm-hmm not an emotional connection. I was like, all right, I'm coming back. I went back and, uh, that's when I got saved. That was on December 27th, 2020. Right and in that moment, man, I can't even, you guys have been saved. You know, like it's when, when you've had so many years of running amok yeah. and, and the things that I've done in my life and God does still love you so much. No, even the, the things that you've done don't even matter. You're just like in his arms. It's unexplainable, right? I mean, correct. So I went after I got saved, I went back to Bakersfield to go back to work. And when you're doing that much cocaine, especially you have to keep quite a bit on hand. Right. So I still had like, I want to say there was like two or three, eight balls up there. So I get up there and I'm saved now. I'm like, man, get a beer. I'm going to do a little bumpy. Right. <laughs> so, Grab a quick key. I, I do it. Exactly. Well, I had a shovel. The keys weren't <laughs> enough anymore. I had this little miniature shovel that I'd fill the whole thing up. Oh. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But, <laughs> so grabbed my shovel, and I did a bump, and I was like, ah, it's horrible. It was, it was like burnt rubber. Stop. For real? Really? For real. And I went, maybe there's something off with this bag. Let yeah, me yeah. grab this bag. And I did another one. Horrible. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And it, it was and then I, the Holy, I could feel the Holy Spirit, right? This isn't for you anymore. It's just not you. Jeez, man. So at that point, I went to I, I went to one of the guys that was staying in the house. I'm like, here, dude, you can have it all. Just get it away from me. That was on a Monday. Quit the job. I gotta get out of here. Drove back down the hill. And um then I started going through withdrawals mm. that almost immediate. Right. Cause when you're doing that much, your body is now used to it, used to it. Yeah. You need it. That's the, how you you're happy during the day that euphoria. Right. So it's like letting go of coffee, the withdrawals. It, yeah, exactly. it really, it, it, honestly done, have done both. Yes. Audience <laughs> have done both. It's exactly the same. Except the, the migraines and the withdrawal was shorter with coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I went, let's see, I was some Monday, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night were night sweats. I'd wake up, right, my right, bed right. would be yeah. soaked, smelling like vinegar, mm-hmm. the cramps, the cravings, the, oh God, I mean, it was horrible. Oh man, horrible. you get the same smell with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, what is that? That It's like a sting. Well, see, and that was, so that it was part alcohol too, right? Cause I was drinking. Right. I drink a bottle of Jack Daniels every day. Not the little one. I, I drink a bottle of Jack Daniels every day. Every day? Every day. Man, I thought I did it. But With 12, 12 to 18 beers on top. And then when I started getting too high, then I switched to Truly's. I mean, I hate to admit <laughs> it, but it's the, it's the truth. Um, it truly is. <laughs> truly is. That's not, that's not a plug here. By <laughs> but, um, so anyway, I went, I went to the church on Thursday. So I got saved on that Sunday. I went uh-huh. to church on Thursday and my, my wife went, my wife's all on board yeah. and she's all into the church. I'm, a Wait, little was fact she, about was my she, wife. Was she a Christian? No. So that's, I was mm. just a fact about my wife. My wife was raised by two atheists. So uh, she was atheist basically. Right, right. 
And um, but you see it change, you're like, all right, let's do this. Well, my like my my wife was like, whatever I can do to support this, like this is the guy I want to be with. Yeah, maybe yeah. this is this will maybe this will stick, right? She didn't even understand the magnitude of what was going on yet. So <laughs> we go to church and and uh, <laughs> the pastor does an altar call and he says, "There's three people in here that are heavily addicted." And God wants to deliver them. You're tonight. just like, where? Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I want to see those guys. I was. And the first guy came up and I'm like, yeah, right on, bud. <laughs> you got God this. God bless you. Yeah. yeah. The second person came up and I'm like, man, where's the Amen, three? brother. Amen, brother. Break those chains. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Where's number three? Hurry up. I got to go to the restaurant. So, <laughs> so <laughs> number three wasn't walking up, right? And the pastor yeah. is like, there's three. The Lord told me there is three. I'm not going to give this up until you come up here. And my wife's like, you know, he's talking to you. Right? <laughs> right? Like she, she literally, she's like, you know, he's talking to you. I'm like, it's a wise woman yeah, there. Yeah. I'm like, look, we're good. I don't need a life ring. Right. Key that word life ring. The second I say it, the pastor, I'm throwing you a life ring. What? Yes. So my wife turns and she's all, "You better get your up there." And I went, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." I mean, I think I got no choice now, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I walked up there, and I remember, you know, again, as a, as a new Christian, you don't understand getting on your knees at the altar. You right. don't understand laying flat on your face and just letting the Lord pour into you. And, and you don't really even understand worshiping and praising. You, you, you're just not there yet. Right. Right. So everything was so raw because when you don't understand it, it's very, very raw, real, it's mm -hmm. new. Um, and it's authentic. Right. So I go up to this altar and I remember the pastor and then the associate pastor started to pray over me. And these are both guys that struggled with addiction that the Lord had delivered them. And um, I remember just dropping to my knees, not because I knew what to do, not because any of that. Mm. It was, I just fell to my knees and I just surrendered as Lord, take it. And in that moment, I felt like a hand on my shoulder and the, the, the pastor was over here preaching or preaching, praying over me. So I knew it wasn't him. And I, I was like, God, Everything broke off me. Ooh. Every withdrawal I was going through, Ooh. every craving. The I mean, my body was hurting just being there. Right. Yeah. I went home that night and slept the best I slept in probably 20 years. Wow. Just de straight delivered. So for me, it was like, oh man, this stuff's really real. Yeah. You know, like I was super excited. I I had to tell everybody and and that was just the first spark to the fire, you know. And, as as a guy with a big heart and and loving people the way I do, the best way I can love somebody is is to sh to share with them what God's given me, what He's done in my life. I mean, that's amazing. I want well, you want people to have that, right? When it's something that's that incredible for you, you want everybody to, like it's so simple. It's Just surrender, right? And, right, and and I think sometimes even now, even as let's. Let's put it like this as full fledged Christians, even we struggle sometimes with it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy. Like, oh, I feel ashamed of this, I feel ashamed of that. Okay, cool. Jesus is waiting. 100%. Jesus is literally waiting. Like, literally, like, Lord. Dane Lou, you're, you're Lord, onto something there. Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, it's true. Okay, like, just take this. Yeah. Just take this. Because again, like we, we try to do it with our own, um, our own strength doesn't work, right? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how many times you try to be like, nah, I'm not gonna do this, and then at night, hey, where's the shovel? Right? Where's the shovel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, more times than I ever want to admit. Uh, most of the time, it was the morning too. It was even the night happened. Yeah, 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 it's his cup of coffee. There you go. Yeah. But you know what? Like when you say that, that's that's good. People need to know that, right? Like so many people will preach. And 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 pra and say they practice giving their problems to God, but so few people truly do. I mean, 
Because it's easy to say it. Well, it's like super everything, easy like to say like a, a lot of stuff, it's easy to say it. Like I uh, last night's preaching, you know, Ooh. it's easy. It was you know, our uh, Pastor Rob was saying, you know, oh yeah, you know, it's easy to be up here, and you know, I give, I give you my everything, Lord, I give you my everything, I give you my everything. Well, what happens when you have a machete to your throat and you have to give up your life for the gospel? Mm. You still willing yeah. to give up everything right there? It's hard words. Yeah. And and most people are going to say, yeah, right? Because that's what we're programmed to say in a church environment, right? You don't want anybody to think you're weak. So, like, if if I came up to you and I'm like, hey, you going to take that machete? You feel mandatory, like you have to say, yeah. But when in reality, how many people are really going to lay that down? Exactly. You know what at, I mean? At one point, I would agree with you because I was like, oh, I'll program. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. But I've come to a point in my life through the process, like you said, where I would take the machete because I was the same person would profess faith, do this. Oh, God will see you through. But I would go home and be devastated because I'm like, oh, man, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. You're holding on to things that have broken off of your life. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I have faith in you. Then let it go. But no, I know what it, this feels like. So I'm going to stay here. And it's, it's so crazy that you guys said it like that because I'm like, I would be, I don't know the first to admit, but I admit it that there was a point in my life where I'm serving a thousand percent. I'm going to work. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be the best husband and, and father at home. But I was feeling down and out because I was desperate, but to such a point where God kept showing up, showing up and showing out. But I'm like, that's not what it's supposed to look like. But yet I'm telling people this is what it's supposed to look like when he shows up, right? Self-advice is hard. Right. And it's like, Pastor Brian says all the time, in the midnight hour, God will show up and show up. And that's exactly what he did time and time again until I I snapped out of it. I was like, you've been here this whole time. You're just asking me just to release it. So I release it to you. Boom. 100%. 100%. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's us that are the slow pokes and you know, don't get it. We're all married here, right? Yes, How sir. many times I check, ha- have... I checked this morning. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Lucky another day. <laughs> so, but how, how many times, like, we get into it with our wife or, or even our kids, right? And you're just like, you get to that, that boiling point, right? Which, for me and my wife, that's nothing anymore like it ever used to be. Like, I mean, I don't even think we've really even had a fight since i got saved right but there's still that where you're you get frustrated with people right and living with a wife it's gonna happen right Right. that's that part of the communication so important but how many times have you gone rolled back like god just take this anger from me this Mm -hmm. ain't the guy i want to be like check me out of this situation i give this to you Sure, I'm mad at her for this, but I, I give it to you. Mm-hmm. That that little thing right there, a little a real heartfelt prayer where you're really talking to the Lord. Nothing else matters. The kids running around. It's just God. This isn't how I how you designed me to be. So remove it. Mm. That authority in Jesus that we've been given to remove those things. Oh. We forget so often how easy and how realist real that is. Yeah. Correct. You know, and as married men, I think we we get reminded of it daily. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure do. So uh, one of the things we have talked about before this was motorcycle club. You were in a motorcycle club for years. How did that happen? So, well, how did it happen? Um, that, I guess you'd have to start that with the question of why, right? Growing up, constantly being thrown from, hey, you guys take them. We can't handle them. Mm. No, no, no. You guys take them. Hey, will you guys take them back? Like the sense of belonging, right? Mm -hmm. You're constantly fighting that. Um, So when I first seen the, the club, I was immediately enticed because it was, it wasn't a gang, but it was brotherhood. It was a family like unlike anything I'd ever known. Nobody was going to push me away. So it wasn't like a, you know, like a 
Crips or a Bloods. No one ran over you 13 times or anything like that. <laughs> No. I don't know how it goes. How do you, I don't know how it goes. How, wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait, no, wait. They, Okay, for just, like the cholos, you get beat, you, you know, you get jumped in. I don't know, like wait, someone wait. throws a leather bag at you. I don't know. I don't know how it goes. I obviously don't know the life. That's what we're here interviewing him. <laughs> he, he, said, go for he said ran over thirteen times. I know, That's man. Hard. Someone throws him. But into he went from he went from bloods to crips to ran over three. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that Again, I don't. I don't know how you get in that escalated it. quickly. Uh, very much. So, um, let's see. So I I met this guy in a bar, and he wasn't in the club, but he was a hang around, right? And all the guys in the club really liked this guy because he always had coke in him, on his, mm. you know, in his pocket or on oh, him. The party right? day, right? Right. So I friended him through him. I met some of these guys. And I was just like, this is the life, man. I'm running around with these guys. Because when you walk into a place, people will, like, get scared. And that fear became respect. Mm. Right? That's That was how I lived my life. I gained your respect from, by your fear, which is mm. so, knowing what, what I know today, right? I want people to respect me because I respect them. I want people to respect me because I will treat them right and take care of them and give them the shirt off my back and know that my word is gold and things of that nature right but it used to be for fear so that automatically was just like pumped up my chest i had this big head like walking around like yeah check me out i'm hanging out with these guys mm. well then then it, what hanging out with these guys wasn't enough you wanted to be one and and uh you wanted to be accepted and and all that so I was a hang around for about eight years. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I went to, uh, I was supposed to prospect several years ago and they're like, nah, you're not for us. But I, I stuck with it. I kept hanging around and, and then finally later on down the road, I ended up, uh, I ended up coming into the club and that was this year would have been five years. Mm, okay. So I was in the club right at about four years as a, as a full patch member of the Mongols. Mm. So all in all, in total, it was 12 years in with the hangaround time. Yeah, but you don't really count the hangaround time. I mean, like, I was sitting here talking, yeah. like, yeah, we'll, we we can count it. But, like, amongst the brothers, that hangaround time meant nothing. You know, wow. like, but it it did become a running joke. Like, I was going to be a lifetime hang around and, and <laughs> get my lifetime achievement award for hang around. But yeah. So you said you were hanging around for eight years, full fledged patch member for four years. How did that life affect your family life or did it ever intersect or was it two separate lives? Yeah. I mean, it was all those things, right? It, it affected my family life because it was two separate lives. I'm out running the streets um, chasing women, chasing the drugs, right. um, getting into things, fights. Um, there's a long list of things I was out doing, right? right? But when you come home, you're supposed to be dad. And then they intertwined. And that's when things really got bad. Mm. When I'm selling drugs out of my house to pay for my my problem, Ooh, the house wow. my kids live in, right? right? right. Um, selling other things. Um, allegedly, <laughs> everything's allegedly here, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we yeah. do have hey, a. So if the glove doesn't fit, you, you must look quit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, then I was, I would take off on a Friday. I might not be home till Monday, you know. Um, take a my. I had a my brother came into town for Fourth of July, one one year, and and I remember I took off. Uh, like 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. And I wasn't back till later the next day. My wife's like, you got family here visiting you. I'm like, yeah, but I had to go hang out with the brothers, you know? Right. Really, truth be known, all I had to do is just go get all coked out. That's all I was. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go party, you know? Right. Um, but, man, it wore on my family. It wore my wife. Um, my eighth, my wife at the time, complete atheist, praying to God every night, changed my wow. husband change my husband something's got to give change my husband if you're real change my husband 
change every night. I mean, that's some powerful stuff to go from, well, nothing, no, nothing's out there to, oh man, something's got to be out there to change this man. That's how desperate she was. Yeah. I mean, you're reaching for anything, even things you don't even believe in. It's uh, just anything. I mean, she's just, she was probably one week away from calling a voodoo person. I don't know, you know, but she, she went through it. She knew she caught me messing around on her. You right. know, she, she, I can't even tell you how many times she found drugs in the house and, and would flush them. And I'm like, oh my God, that was like a thousand dollars, you know? And, yeah. um, but God bless her, man. She stuck in. She, she took those vows serious. It's a hard um, one in there. Mm-hmm. That's a Valuable. very special. Valuable woman right there. Then when my house got raided, oh, that was June of 2020. Um, it was kind of, well, it was kind of like a soft raid. Right. They used over oh, here. <laughs> they well, that's pretty much. So they <laughs> oh wow. They used uh my my oldest son's mom got a restraining order against me, uh-huh. and and my son happened to be at the house when all this went down. Right. So they used that to remove him from the house to adapt or to adopt a. A uh, search and seizure. Oh. Mm. So when they're there, they're like, "Okay, the kid. Oh yeah, by the way, yeah, search them. Stay here. We're going in." So luckily, oh, it wasn't wow. like a. They didn't break my door down at at four o'clock in the morning. They but, didn't come at you like Elian Gonzalez, right? <laughs> but they still came in. They took all my guns. They they took everything, man. Luckily, I didn't have anything in the house at the time. But right. but watch like my my five year old. He was five at the time. Just be like. What in the world, uh-huh. you know, broke my heart, broke my heart. And that was the start to, to the end of everything. I mean, I'm good that it was the end, you know, yeah. <laughs> not good that it happened. So now that you had that much time with the club, were you like asked to leave now that you became, saved? I know how do, how do you, or, how do you, yeah. At that moment, how do you intertwine now? Jesus. And, and the club, like, I know how we're throwing down. You know what? That was it. Was interesting because you had a lot of brothers that were really supportive. Still to this day, I do. I mean, I'm still in contact with a lot of them, and and a lot of them that reach out for prayer and stuff like that. That's awesome. <clears throat> but you, I still had the obviously the the reverse side of that. I had the people trying to throw stones and stuff, right? And like, man, you you can't you can't live both lives and. Right. Really, what these guys were doing, they don't even know. They were prophesying. <laughs> you're right. I you couldn't live both yeah. lives. You're right. I, like, I got to get out. You're, thank you, you know. Yeah. And uh, and slowly by surely, it was, you know, hey, what's going to happen if things pop off? And I'd tell them, like, look, I'm not the guy to go out hunting anybody anymore. Right. That just ain't me. I've always got your back, though. You know, something were to pop off and. I'm there. I got your back. I'll bring my shovel. That's, that's the yeah. <laughs> that's the best I can do for you. Right. Well, this was this was after I got saved, right? So there was no more shovel, mm. and that right there. That's how the guys really kind of knew it was serious. Uh, like, well, man, because I was known for how I partied. Like people, when I went to Germany, we did a few different countries in that trip, 28 days, but just in Germany for six days. I went through 46 grams of cocaine by myself. Ah, you didn't have a heart attack then? No. How did you, how were you not nose bleeding? Wow. I had already, I'd already killed everything in there. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was bad, bad, but that's how I was known. So when, when I, when I quit everything, a lot of guys, that's how they knew, like, this is the real deal. Right. And, um, they respected it. Now I'd be a liar if I just sat here and said everything was peaches and cream, right? right? And and I never had made any mistakes. I did take a trip, um, to uh, to a out of state party, and I did I did a bunch of coke. And I at the time I was like, I hadn't done anything, and I think it was like seven months or something like that, right? Right. But I came back. I told my wife. Like this is what I did, man. Mira, mira, I love you. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, she's like, "Why would you?" I said, "I don't know, but you know what? I'm kind of grateful it happened." She goes, "What do you mean?" Uh-huh. I said, "Because I learned something in that that I had to watch who I was with, what I was around, mm-hmm. because it would easily suck me back in." Yeah. You are you are the company you keep. Right. Yeah, I've had those moments too. So that's when. I knew 
my days in the club, whether I wanted to admit it or not, were going to be coming to an end. Yeah. I couldn't mm. serve two masters. Right. And I had to put myself around people that I wanted to be like. Mm. Right. So this went on a couple months. Yeah. Like a couple months later, I'd been praying on it. And, uh, I went out to the remnant rally. The first one that pastor Miles Rutherford had in, mm. in Georgia. And I went out there fasted up. I mean, I was, I took it really serious. I was going to travel to the other side of the country. I was going to hear from God. I was going to, you know, I had prayers that needed answered. Right. But I had to show God how serious I was about it. I had to move myself aside so my spirit could go and just, like, line up, right? Right. And uh, so I went out there, and my prayer was, okay, God, look, I will lay this down. I will. I'll go home this week, and I'll lay it down because I can't serve two masters. But spare my humility and find a way to get, like, medically retire me or something. Mm. And uh, I just. From the club. From the club. Okay. I said, I just, I want to, I want out. I want to be in, but I want out. I love mm. my brothers. Right, right. But I want to be out where I can still have contact with them. Because at the time, people were hitting it's me. It's like all being dishonorably discharged from the army. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So people were hitting me up left and right. Hey, can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? Uh, for as far as and you don't want as to lose as that guys ability to correct because mm. if you go if you drop your patch or you go out bad, you're cut off from everybody. Excommunicate everybody. Excommunicate. Yeah, that's right. They get, <laughs> you're not. Dude, I love John Wick. <laughs> yeah, John Wick. I was gonna say you're not going yeah. back to that hotel. So the let's pause for a little bit. So is it because they would get in trouble for having communication with you or they just would not communicate with you if that would have happened? Well, because you're way. not living the life anymore. Well, I'll just, I'll put it this way. If, um, if you're out of the club right, and you're in bad standards, whether it's a rule or not, nobody wants anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just that way. I mean, I'm talking, I've seen real family members, uh, two cousins, two brothers, a dad and a son in the club. One goes out. That's, that's an awkward Thanksgiving. Oh, jeez. I mean, so that's that's the reality, you know. Um, so you're at this rally. You're fasted up. You're praying for God to come through some way, somehow, where you still have communication with your brothers. Well, what happened? So, yeah, exactly. I was. Praying on this, this was for three days straight, face on the floor, just a humble kingdom prayer, right? I I want to be used by you, and I know this is limiting that, so take it away. And that's, that's what's so awesome about God. This is where so many people get lost in the promises of God. God doesn't promise you the things of this world. He promises you the things of his kingdom. Right. And right. if your prayers align with his kingdom, and him and his love and his purpose, and his likeness for you. Yeah. It's yours. Yeah. It's that simple. So I flew home Monday and I get a phone call from uh, my chapter. Mm-hmm. They said, Hey, we're going to have a get together this week and um, we need you to be there. All right, cool. Right on, whatever. They said, Well, we're going to do it Wednesday. All right, cool, whatever. Well, Tuesday came by, and I went, Wednesday's my wife's birthday, right? Can't miss that. So, no. well, but I had, I had so many times. Just all kinds of stuff. So this was another one of those moments, right, when I was telling you where my spirit shoves aside my flesh, shoves, just shoves me aside altogether, and is like, grabs the phone. I can't do that. I'm not going to make it tomorrow. I've chosen. I've cho- I'm choosing my wife. I've chosen my, this club too many times in front of her. I'm not doing it this time to her. Ooh, wow. So let me know what happens and we'll catch up on the side or something like that. No, nah, man, you got to be here. Uh, I'm not going to be there guys. All right. Well, I'm going to come over. I got to meet with you. We got to talk at that point. I knew, oh, but yeah. none of it's, none of it's like, Clicking. It's clicking yet, right? Because just two two days ago, what I'm praying for and, and this and that. So 
So he comes over. A couple of them come over. And I told my wife, like, stay in the room. You know, let's just let me right. handle this. It's, it's everything's fine, you know. And the guys coming over that had my best interest at heart. Kinda. One of them did. And um, so anyway, <laughs> they come over. They're like, look, dude, here's the thing. You were going to get peeled on Wednesday because you've missed the funeral. And uh, which I really, I mean, yeah, I missed it, but I was on the, never mind. That doesn't matter. So <laughs> <laughs> I was excused. Okay. okay. But um, he says, and then you blew us off for, for Misa. And uh, we all voted to throw you out of the chapter. What? What? Now all of a sudden, none of these guys would talk to me in my own chapter. These were these were my best friends. These right, guys. Dies. Yeah, man. We, I mean, did everything together, everything. Right. Um. That that was my family. Right. That club. That those brothers were my wife. They were my kids. You know. Right. And uh, up until I got saved, that was how it was. So, just like that, overnight. I went from loved by all friends with all to we got to get rid of this guy. Dang. Dang. You know, the next day I got a phone call from a uh, very, very high up and he's like, Hey man, so what's going on? And, uh, before I could even explain, he goes, so look, I, you know, I hear like, you know, you're, you found this relationship with God and, and that's kind of where you want to be. And that's where you want to go. I'm all, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm out. He goes, uh, well, this is what I'm going to do. Is I'm just going to put you out. I'm not going to put mm. you out bad. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just like, you never existed. And my first initial reaction was just grab it. That's great. Get it and run. Right. All right. That's good. That's, that's not being put out bad. Um, so I was like, yeah, thank you. Awesome. A couple days go by. Me and my wife, we go to this marriage retreat thing down in Oceanside, and we're chilling down there. And I get a call from a brother randomly. He's like, oh, my God, what did you do? I'm all, what? What do you mean? He goes, the the text just went out to the whole entire nation. Like, you're out bad. I went, what? Not just your chapter, but the whole nation? The whole nation, right? So I'm like, oh, my God. Why? Like, so I, I call a guy up that called me the couple days before right, right. the way up. He's like, bro, some people really wanted you out at. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, bro, but we talked and this and that. And I mean, come on. He's like, well, give me a couple of days and blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. I get off the phone. I go back inside and now I'm literally in a group session with my wife and all these other uh, couples, right? Right. And all I can think about is this. And I remember distinctively, I'm sitting there in my chair and my wife's looking at me. She's like, Anthony, pay attention. And the second she said that, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, you asked to be retired. Just settle down. (laughs) And I went, yeah, settle down. Like, what are you talking about? No, that's me talking. You know, like, Uh, settle down. And That's the chili. So so the next day, I get another phone call, or I'm sorry. Next day, I text that guy. And I said, right. look, bro, you've known me since day one. I've always been a solid bro. Like, I was like, but, I mean, this this, this doesn't fit what's being done. Right. If that's the case, give me my day in court and, and let me defend myself because I didn't do nothing wrong. And uh, he goes, Anthony, didn't, didn't he have a heart attack? I'm all, Yeah. And I just had one in December, my second one. So December 2020, I had one. Just racking them up. December, yeah, but the one in the one in uh, 2021, I wasn't leaving the hospital. Like they did the stent and all that. Oh dang! So uh, I said, yeah. He's all send me all your medication, send me your doctor stuff. I'm gonna medically retire you. <laughs> wow! And that's exactly what happened. And that's that was it. So after that happened, right? You start you start examining. How was God in this, right? What right, exactly right. was his hand on? And the answer was his hand was all over it. Because at the time, I, I, I was reading Exodus and how how God hardened the heart of the Pharaoh to where he's just like, 
my God, Moses, get these Israelites out of here. I get, just get, just take yeah, them, get rid of them. They're trouble. Right. And, um, and that, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened. Right. I, I was, this is my family, my best friends and everything one day. And then like oh. that, who are you? Get out of wow. here. We don't want you here anymore. So it's, it's funny when I've talked to them about it now that I've, you know, I've, I've kind of spoken to some sense and I tell them that they don't really understand the merit behind it, but any, any Christian really understands that and how faithful God is. Uh, so since you've seen that in your life happen, how you were able to put Exodus into your own life, how you were retired from the club, what is one thing that you can think of? that you took from that lifestyle that helped you with your walk with Christ? You know, I read that question when you showed it to me and the answer is nothing, man. There's nothing from that lifestyle that, that, that has helped me in any way anymore. Mm. I mean, that's why God delivered me from it. Mm. I can, I can say it helps the kingdom because it's right. a, it's a powerful testimony. Um, and maybe some contacts, you know, I've, but that's about it. That mm. that part of my testimony, I really try to fast forward through because otherwise, I'm just glorifying the enemy, right. you know. Um, so yeah, man, there's really I can't say there's anything there to really help me. I oh, really but can't. you know, after all of that, do you still ride? Yeah, up until today, I sold my bike. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still plan on riding, but right. all to fund the podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> That'd be great. No, but so were you riding with anyone anymore at that point after that? No, no. I mean, I just a couple of friends. I started that uh, Remnant Riders Ministries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because everybody thought, oh my God, he's left one club for another. It had nothing to do with a club. Um, it wasn't a club in any way, shape, or form. Um, it was just a way to try to bring bright bikers to Christ. Bring uh, one percenters to Christ to develop a a bike night to appeal people to come to a church that wouldn't normally not, normally come to church. It was it's basically a a, a bait and switch ministry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. It's it's it sounds it sounds hey. bad, but it's it's not. You know, it's sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Well, I, that was the thing. We were like, let's let's just raffle off a free Harley. Who doesn't want a free Harley? I'll I know I do. I, I knew when I was when I was rolling outside of like wasn't a Christian or anything. I would definitely have gone to a church for a chance to win a free bike. Yep. You no. Know? Give me a free street street glide, man. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Who are the Remnant Riders, or, or what is the Remnant Riders? How how does that ministry operate? So, like I was saying, that we'll set up a bike night, and we we call the Blessing of the Riders. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, um, here, we're going to raffle off a bike for free. All you got to do is be present to win. There's no purchase necessary, none of that stuff. We set up a church parking lot just like any regular bike night. Um, like that, the one we had in Atlanta, we had the stunt riders and um, the regular raffle. I had Factory 47 and hooked me up with a bunch of stuff to raffle off. The Harley dealers hooked me up with a bunch of stuff. Um, And that's really all it was. It was just a, it was a new platform, right? To try to think outside the box a little bit and and bring a few more people in. Because at the end of the day, I was saved because of one invite. Mm. And And I wasn't even the one saying yes to it. Remember, my spirit was the one like, yes. My body was like, what is going on? I'll get the you hot know? dogs. I got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's that's was really just what the, the Lord had put on my heart and burdened me with. And, and uh, I'm really hoping and, and praying to see it grow and, and keep doing more. I know there's been a, a ton, a ton of people asking about it and, and doing another one. And, and we're definitely in the works for that. Awesome. Um but this the the last one we did, it was two hundred and two hundred and thirty people, I think is or two I'm sorry, two hundred and thirty bikes. There oh, was okay. there was like there was like four hundred people. Right. But it was two hundred two hundred and thirty bikes and 
It was I want to. It was twenty to twenty five salvations. Wow, um, an amazing altar call, man. I mean, an amazing altar call. I mean, all worth it right there. Oh yeah, even even just one, yeah. even just one. The way the whole thing unfolded, the bike got, a bike got donated. Um, one of the, one of my brothers in the club was the one that actually painted the bike for the raffle. Ooh, wow. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool. So where can uh, our listeners uh, reach out if they either want to be a part of this, participate, or even try to see if they can get their hands on a free Harley? So then check out my website at uh, remnantriders.org. Their Instagram, Remnant Riders. And there's tons of links on there. The website is always being updated with the next event. Um, like I said, I'm working on the next one right now. Uh, we haven't set a date yet, but we're almost there. So as I feel like we're getting to the conclusion of this episode uh, to anybody in our audience that either has lived that life or is still there, you have any uh, last couple of words to direct to them? I mean, yeah, like to open yourself up to it, to give yourself the, just the opportunity to let God do something in your life. Right. Seeking his face, he wants to show you. I mean, I was saved for for several months before I said, I, it was like I felt ashamed to say, like, God, show me you're real. Mm. So I would definitely tell people to to seek his face. Ask him. Do something in my life. Bring me to you. Make a way. Anything that aligns with God and his will, like I said, a kingdom prayer will always come with the kingdom answer. Always. Powerful words. And with those powerful words, I think, yeah, we've reached the end of this podcast. Anthony, thank you again for sharing such a powerful testimony with us. And again, to any of our audience that feels like you've connected with uh, Anthony's testimony, or if you have more questions about Remnant Riders, please reach out to us on our social medias, on the comments. We do read them. We do uh, try to answer back as fast as we can. Uh, But again, thank you for listening. And again, if we can't help you with the answers you're seeking, we will definitely try to guide you in the correct direction. So again, thank you for everybody for listening to the Remnant Podcast. Thank you, guys. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and the link for remnantwriters.org will be in the description. Thank you, guys.